Sales is King, episode 95. Hi again, everybody. Dan Sixsmith. Happy to be back with you on Sales is King. And today we're back with the Sales is King Spotlight, a fantastic interview with Dr. Helen Reese, who is the author of an exceptional book called The Empathy Effect. She is the CEO and founder of a company called Empathetics, and she is an associate professor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. I came across the book, The Empathy Effect. I was walking through a Barnes & Noble last summer with my wife, and I saw this book on the shelf. And I've been so curious about empathy, and as you guys know from listening to our podcast episodes, that when we talk about sales and when we talk about business, the notion of empathy is rising to the top. And I saw this book, and I said, oh my God, I've got to read this. And it is a phenomenal Um, a phenomenal discussion about what empathy really is, what it really means, how you can learn to be more empathetic, whether you're in the field of medicine, whether you are in the field of business, or whether you just want to be a better person and connect more deeply um, with other humans. So empathy is huge to me. Um, I was very, very pleased when I reached out to Dr. Reese, how open she was to coming on our program and discussing um, just what empathy is, how we can learn to be more empathetic, how we can leverage it in our business and personal lives. So I know you're going to enjoy this interview. Um, Dr. Reese is a, a phenomenal scholar and wonderful thought leader on the subject of empathy. Check out her company, Empathetics, which is an organization that will go in and train and coach your teams on how to be more empathetic, which is huge today in business, right? Um, Also, she's done a TED Talk on the power of empathy. Check that out. And by all means, you must get this book, The Empathy Effect by Dr. Helen Reese. Hope you enjoy and talk to you soon. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Sales is King. Dan Sixsmith, happy to be with you. And we've got an exciting guest today on our program, Dr. Helen Reese who wrote the book called The Empathy Effect. She is a TEDx speaker where she spoke about the power of empathy. And I am so excited about this. I read her book. And for those of you who have been listeners to the podcast, we speak a lot about the importance of empathy today in selling and in business relationships. So I'm really excited to have Helen on the program. Welcome. Thank you for having me. So... I don't know if we'll get everything in in the time we have, because this is such an exciting topic for me, but I'd love to know how and why you got into the study of empathy. What was the driver behind that? Well, uh, as a psychiatrist, I learned very early on in my training that without empathy, there really can be no cure. 
um, you can have the best technique in the world, um, you know, about how you question or, you know, different schools of thought. But if you can't take the perspective of the person that you're talking with and to some extent feel their pain, um, you're, you know, you're not connecting in a way that really provides a healing environment. Yes. So just by um, many years of clinical practice, and then in the last decade and a half, really noticing that many patients are feeling that their doctors lack empathy. Um, mm. That seemed like a really alarming situation to yeah. me because it really has profound healthcare and other, um, you know, serious effects. And so that's why I decided to study mm. That's fantastic. Why do you think there is that lack of empathy? I think the practice of medicine has changed astronomically in the past 20 years. Um, what used to really draw people into the practice of medicine was mostly the bedside manner, taking care of people, and acquiring the knowledge and skills to provide really important healthcare solutions. Uh, the emphasis on healthcare in the last 20 years has really been turning it into a business, which means how do we make this as you know, lean and mean as possible, which in many cases means focusing on throughput, um, you know, getting the most patients through in the shortest period of time, and not really allowing for the relationships to develop the trust, the care, and the things that motivate patients to really partner with their physicians in their health care. Yeah, it really is difficult. And, uh, you know, these doctors have so much more responsibility today, too, right? And the leading teams, the, the numbers, the data, all things that, you know, in the old days, it was just uh, a lot simpler. It so was. I think, you know, it's so good. I think it's a tremendous, um, uh, you know, direction in terms of helping them with empathy. So I know a lot of the research you've done has been in the healthcare space, but tell us, you know, how it might relate to to other industries and, 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 and how we can leverage some of this in business and what you're doing right now with some other industries? Well, you know, when you think about any human interaction where there is a client or a patient and um, a consultant, um, <clears throat> the relationships between um, the importance of empathy in healthcare and in business settings are actually pretty related. You know, if you're in a business advising kind of consulting kind of role or a financial advisor, your first priority really needs to be meeting the needs of your client. Um, if you're very self-focused and focused on your own bottom line, um, your agenda is going to come through that you really just want to sell or you want people to sign on the dotted line. But mm -hmm. if, you're, if you understand that you're really there to solve a person's problem and you figure out what that problem is, um, then you probably have won a customer for life. That's so, I mean, it's almost like you're doing a, a commercial spot for everything that we preach on this podcast because in the sales area, we're trying to get salespeople to evolve from just talking about their product or their solution to talking about the challenges that their customer or prospect may have or the pain points or the issues. And, you know, everyone's really skilled at, you know, what their product does and how it works. But 
you know, teaching salespeople to do this is, is a challenge. And, and what you add to the equation is doing it with authenticity, right? Because some people do it and they're doing it, they're reading from a script, you know, they're not listening entirely. And, and in the book, you talk about, you know, hearing the whole person, uh, which really resonated with me. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit more about how, how you can hear the whole person and what that really means. So, um, I mean, to use a healthcare analogy, say you um, sprained your ankle and you went in to see the doctor and the doctor focused completely on your ankle and, uh, you know, gave you a boot or maybe some, you know, ibuprofen or something to help with the pain um, and never asked you, what is your activity level? You know, what do you, what do you hope to do? You know, what do you do for work? Um, how important is it to you to, you know, be on your feet? Um, mm -hmm. That kind that kind of questioning treats you like a whole person instead of just like um, a body part. Mm -hmm. And um, to the same extent, if you're helping people manage their finances or you're trying to sell a product to them, understanding that this is not just a transaction, but there's like a whole person who's having thoughts and feelings about you know, what you're saying, and they are trying to decide, like, is this person really interested in, you know, the best outcome for me? Or are they just trying to, you know, get this transaction done? And, you know, you feel that. And, you know, I think the closest analogy, I think that most people can relate to is when they're buying clothes. Mm -hmm. And if you try something on, and you're not quite sure and you're looking to the salesperson to say well what do you think and if you know it's kind of like just the fact that you're asking means something's not a hundred percent and if they say oh it looks fantastic and well you know what about this little you know how the wrinkles here oh don't worry about that no one will ever notice you you realize that they're not really that interested in your happiness when you walk out the door but trying to minimize the pain points instead of saying, you know, there is a little, there is a little tug there mm -hmm. and that might bother you. Well, mm -hmm. You can find something else. So that, that's more of an investment in the whole person because they're thinking this person isn't going to be happy if they go out and wear something that, that they're going to feel, you know, funny about. And it's probably going to not make them want to come back to the store. Yeah. It, it's genuine concern for the person versus yourself. Um, you also talk about, you know, um, in, in getting to know the whole person, kind of trying to get at um, not just what's spoken, but also might, what might not be spoken, right? Or what's unspoken and looking at different things like, you know, tone and, and, and some nonverbal cues. Tell us a little bit more about that. Like how can a, um, you know, someone in the financial services industry or someone in sales um, or any person really in business, how can they get deeper? You know, one of, the, one of the episodes we did and one of my goals for this year was to get deeper in these relationships, to understand more. How can we do that? What, what sort of skills can we uh, apply? Well, this is a really large mess um, in my book um, where we really go through all of the nonverbal ways that we communicate. And we can't cover them all, obviously, on this podcast. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, people are giving off unconscious 
nonverbal signals all the time. Mm-hmm. If you are really tuned in to those signals, you will see whether the person you're talking to is nodding, you know, like sort of their facial expressions are kind of, you know, mimic, mimicking your own, um, whether they look at ease, whether their posture is relaxed. Um, that all probably indicates that you're on the right track and that you're connecting and that they're um, in agreement with you. But if you start to notice that the person's body posture is closing, they're folding their arms, they're turning their head, they're looking at their watch. Um, you know, I, I've watched countless interactions with people, and it's amazing how many obvious clues there are that the person is really not on board, but the, the speaker is so, um, you know, intent on getting what they want said that they're missing an incredible amount of feedback. And so understanding that people's faces are a roadmap of emotion and we need to get better at reading those maps. Mm. Yeah, so true. So um, what about when you're not face-to-face uh, and you're on the phone with somebody and you're trying to you know, potentially sell them a product? What can we do to understand the whole person or to make sure that we're picking up all the clues um, of what that person might be thinking? Well, you have to look for changes in tone of voice. So yeah. if they're talking a lot at first and asking a lot of questions and then say you, you say something, like you name a price and all of a sudden there's like silence and shuffling and, oh, well, uh, okay, well, maybe we'll, uh, you know, we'll think it over and get back to you. Um, you you need to understand that maybe there's been a disconnect or maybe mm-hmm. you're picking up that what you've just, you know, whether it's price or whether it's a feature of your product, that something has just created a little disconnect or anxiety. And so if, if you just keep saying, oh, but this product is so wonderful and you'll see that it, the value is there, you're missing the opportunity to say, you know, I sense a little bit of hesitation. Mm. Um, what just what were you just thinking when I gave you that price or mm-hmm. about this feature? So it's maintaining curiosity mm. when you get signals that that show that there's there's uh, been a little rupture in the flow of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And you know these are things we really can train people to do. Mm. And first and foremost, it really involves learning how to listen. And not just to what they're saying, but to listen to the pauses. Mm. Yeah. No, that's, um, that's hugely impactful. We talk about, you know, listening to understand. You know, you, you say active listening. That's one of the things that I've talked in, in some of my trainings with active listening. So, so many times we're, we're listening to kind of get to what we want to say anyway. <laughs> you know, it's like, right. I've got my PowerPoint. <laughs> I've got my PowerPoint loaded, and I know you're speaking, but I, I really am looking forward to putting up my, my deck, you know? So um, how do you help train people? Um, uh, you know, obviously the pauses, but do you have uh, courses now that you're out there with to, to help people uh, become better listeners and become more empathetic overall? Well, we definitely do, and that was why I co-founded Empathetics. Mm. Um, it was really 
actually born out of listening to more and more healthcare people saying, we need empathy training. And I couldn't get all over the world. And really the calls were coming from all over the world. And so I realized I had to scale up the training into some uh, e-learning combined with workshops that we can train people how to lead. So um, we provide a full set of uh, both online and in-person solutions. That's great. That's great. And, and what type of um, customers do you typically target? Um, what type of roles and what type of organizations? Well, we are primarily in the healthcare sector, and um, it's usually the C-suite, um, chief medical officers, chief nursing officers, chief experience officers who reach out for the training. Um, we've also worked with um, the banking industry, where mm. we trained the C-suite um, and had multiple renewals. Um, mm -hmm. All people learn not just, you know, verbal and nonverbal, but we actually get down to the physiological level. Like, how do you actually, what's going on in your body? Because our mm. bodies are incredibly powerful signals when we tune into them as to whether things are flowing well for the, the client or the customer and also for ourselves. So we teach a lot of, um, you know, mindfulness and self-regulation skills as well. Mm. You know, this is huge because in many, in many businesses, you, you only have one shot at it, you know, and um, if you're able to pick things up, right, and be intentional about looking at body language or listening to tone, you're able to potentially overcome a, a potential problem while you're right there on site versus missing it, walking away, and then never hearing from them again, which happens, right? So I think that's you know, hugely impactful. So the Empathetics um, organization, uh, you have, obviously yourself, uh, do you personally go out on some of these trainings or you have uh, teams or how does that typically work? We, we have a team of facilitators and um, we most often use the train-to-trainer model. So mm -hmm. facilitators who go out and train members of our clients' staff. Um, I sometimes, I love to do it. I just can't get to right. all of them. Um, <laughs> but, uh, You'll do the big ones, the high-profile ones. Maybe. I've also done smaller, um, mm -hmm. you know, clients, be, either because they're close by or because I have a personal connection. But um, I, I find that these trainings are very mutually rewarding. Mm -hmm. So fascinating to hear about what the, what the challenges are and what, you know, what gets people derailed from an empathetic stance. Mm -hmm. What are some of those derailers? I'm curious. Yeah. So, well, if we define empathy, it really is the ability to both have some shared feelings. So, you know, through the mirror neuron system, we actually catch other people's emotions and that's how we know what they're feeling. But it goes beyond just feeling with people. It also involves cognitive um, abilities, like to use your imagination to take the perspective of another person and imagine what is it like to be them? 
you know, Mm -hmm. not what would it be like for me to be them, but what is it like to be that person? And, um, you know, if, if we really tune into, you know, whether someone's buying a, a coat or, you know, a training program or a widget, you know, what does that person really need? Why are they on the phone with me? Why are they in this store? Um, and you take a genuine interest in them. You've got, you know, someone who's wanting something or they wouldn't have called you in the first place, right? It's just finding the right match with like, am I the right solution? The other really big tr- sales tip I can give is that if you are not the right solution, being helpful to steer people to the right solution, you may win a customer down the road, you may just have a good feeling of having received gratitude, but you know, to, to withhold what you know could be helpful because you're not the one providing it um, makes it just, it, it's not a win for anybody. That's so true. And we talk about it a lot in this, you know, what is a modern seller like? And you really, you know, when you meet somebody, you're really kind of gauging to see if you can help them. And you might not be able to help them. Not every prospect is, a, you know, a potential customer. They just, you might not match up. And you have to be, again, I think that's part of being empathetic, being empathetic, being authentic and genuine to say, look, what we deliver, I don't think is a perfect fit. Um, and then give them some advice, as you say, to potentially maybe who they should go to or, you know, other, other possible options or other possible, you know, possibilities. So I think that's part of being, you know, a, a modern salesperson, a modern uh, businessman. Um, the book also goes into, you know, um, leadership, right, and engagement, employee engagement. Um, talk a little bit about, you know, how important empathy is in, you know, you talk about um, the climate, you know, of some of these groups, right? Uh, I know we talk about a company culture, but, you know, the climate is the individual at, at the kind of team level. What, you know, and, and just you talk about how important the leader's uh, ability to connect with the team is, right? Um, and how they can negatively affect the team if they're not empathetic and not engaged. So speak a little bit to that, because I think it's a tremendous um, area of, um, you know, potential improvement in companies. So I think one of the biggest pitfalls that leaders fall into is viewing their staff as what can I get out of you? You know, what can you do for me? How many calls did you, how many sales did you land? How many, you know, how many new white papers did you write? So it's all about what kind of product can I get out of you? And not about creating a culture where people feel really good about coming to work. Because you will get products as long as they're in your employ. But think about how good the products are when people feel valued, appreciated, seen, heard. Um, you know, you also earn the right to criticize if you have acknowledged when people are doing something right. Mm. So we so really true. advise catch people doing something right, right? So um, mm. you've got 
an opportunity to create, you know, if you think about like a Petri dish, it's a culture where stuff can grow, you know, and you want to create a Petri dish where like there's a lot of nourishment, growth, a lot of, you know, interpersonal support. Because creating a culture of kindness at work will actually make everybody more productive. I, I mean, this is really, really important stuff. And um, I don't know if you follow Gary Vaynerchuk at all, but um, he talks about that uh, as a leader, he feels like he works for his people and not vice versa. Um, yes. And I love that. Um, you know, the other thing that's going on today is that, you know, we see teams, the leaders are so busy themselves. Like the leaders are tasked with so many different you know, assignments and responsibilities. And, and, you know, we start to see a little bit that, that, you know, that empathy can get lost, almost similar to what we talked about in healthcare, right? The, the leaders are busy, they're talking to shareholders or they, they have their own responsibilities. So I think it just requires um, an extra skill, an extra learning, um, being more intentional about it, and then realizing the impact, the, the negative impact it can have on the company and on their own career you know, if they don't have this type you know, of stuff. It's so true. And, you know, there's so many leaders after a heart attack or after key employees quit or after they, you know, find out they have diabetes because they've not exercised or eaten well for 15, 20 years. That's when they have the aha moments about mm -hmm. this is crazy how I'm working, you know, and Unfortunately, it, it often takes something kind of catastrophic for people to reset and think, how do I really want to work? You know, mm -hmm. what, you know what, what's the point of adding so many things on my plate that every day I fall into bed exhausted? Um, and how am I setting the tone for the rest of the, of the company? And I, unfortunately, there is scarcity reality, you know, that, oh, there's not enough of anything and I have to do everything. Instead of like, if you're doing good work, good things can flow to you. If, if you're frantic and a mess, um, it, 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 just the opposite comes, can come your way. So I, I did want to say that the whole point of empathy where we, you know, feel one another's, not just their pain, but also their positive emotions where we take perspective of others. The reason our brains can do this is that it motivates pro-social behavior. Pro-social behavior is something we don't talk about enough. Mm -hmm. You know, why do we say empathize? Why do we say it's good to be caring. It's good to get their perspective because pro-social me behavior means that we're in it for positive social reasons. And that's what lifts everybody up. So the whole point of empathy is it actually is a feedback loop where if we pay attention to others and we recognize what they need, their gratitude and their appreciation comes back to fill us up. It's like a beautiful feedback loop. But if you cut off the input of empathy, you also don't get the output that comes back to you when you treat people right. Mm, I love that. That's so important. Um, 
So I think we're getting close to the end here. Any final thoughts? I, I definitely want to first ask, um, how do people uh, connect with you? How do they get in touch with you? How can they get uh, you, you and your team to come in or to get some of the online courses? Um, and definitely, of course, we, I would fully um, advise you to read the book, uh, The Empathy Effect, which is tremendous. But how, how can people track you down? website um, has a contact us button um, and so they can come right into um, our inboxes by um, hitting contact us through info at empathetics.com um, and our, our website also is you know has a lot of information on about who we are what kind of news you know we uh, value uh, what you know different um, media outlets that we've spoken in and um, just who we are as a team so I invite people to learn more excellent excellent well thank you so much Dr. Helen Reese this has been great we'd love you to come back on and uh, I'm sure this is going to continue to evolve and uh, it's becoming so important in business today I congratulate you on the book I congratulate you on all the groundbreaking work you've done and wish you continued success uh, in your career. Thanks Thank so much for joining us. It's a real pleasure speaking with you. Take care, Dan. Thank you. Thank you.